Hey folks, and welcome back to Continuing the Conversation. This is our podcast where we are trying to fill in the holes as we walk through the book of Genesis. Um, Kind of fill in the holes of things we can't get to on a Sunday morning, and uh, I'm very grateful to be joined by my good friend Gordon Spivey. Gordon, how are you doing today? Doing good. Good deal, good deal. So this morning, Carolyn preached on... Uh, Genesis 15, she started in 15, but she actually covered a lot of territory today. Um, Gordon, from your perspective, what were some highlights from the, the message itself? Like there was some, uh, some really legit stuff. I uh, Just highlighting the, the idea of certainty. Yeah. Right? The, the question from Abraham of, you know, how can I know? Um, and him pushing God at that point. You know, it's, you know we, it, it had been a while for him. Mm-hmm. Since he had been promised a child, and he just reaches a point, and he's just like, "All right, I'm just kind of done with this. How, how am I going to know this?" And he starts to push God a little bit. You see some of his impatience come through, and uh, and I, I thought that I thought she highlighted that a lot. The whole um, struggle with certainty and 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 faith, mm-hmm. um, and that's not that's not to say that that faith is this blind thing because it, it is absolutely not. Um, but it's 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 about trusting uh, another entity. Yep. And this entity is the personal creator of the universe. Um, so and, and faith is covenantal. Mm. It's you know you're entering in a relationship where hey, you should only enter into that type of a relationship if you consider that person to be trustworthy. Um, and so yeah. She, she made the statement, she said, God's promises are meant to change our character, mm-hmm. and faith in that truth will change us. Um, so faith is uh, rooted in God's character, and it changes our character in the process. Um, anything else that you want to hit on before we kind of move into today's conversation? Uh yeah, I was just you know highlighting one of her last statements is I'd rather have faith than certainty, and um, I, I I feel like I mean certainty is a bigger conversation um, that we could even have beyond beyond this particular context, um, which we won't get into that because we got way too much to try and tackle. But just uh, in in our modern world, mm-hmm. especially. Um, Certainty becomes an idol. It becomes a god. Oh, no question. And and we have we'll have way too much certainty in our own methodologies of, of how we know things. Um, we we seek it out. We we want we want our knowledge to be like certain, like mathematical formulas. <laughs> yep. And um, it's just it, humanity just doesn't work that way, you know. Yeah, but, but you know what's interesting is when. Like Abraham, he's having this conversation with God, uh, and then God makes this statement to him. He says, "Know for certain that for four hundred years your descendants will be strangers in this country, in a country not their own, and they will be enslaved and mistreated there. But I will punish the nation uh, that they serve as slaves, and afterwards." Uh, they will come out with great possessions. You, however, will go to your ancestors in peace and uh, be buried at a good old age. Um, in the fourth generation, your descendants will come back here, for the sin of the Amorites has not yet reached its full measure. So he is saying no for certain, but the certainty is, again, completely dependent on, is God trustworthy? Mm-hmm. Can I trust what he said? Which we're getting back to so much of the biblical patterns that we saw in in the Eden narrative. Absolutely. And and, and I'm telling you, just just as we as we kind of as we kind of shift from 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 sermon to what all we want to talk about, man, we are at this really cool moment in the biblical story. We're we're at the start yep. of the biblical story. Okay, so one through eleven. Is really more of a preface. Mm-hmm. Um, the way I always like I like to explain it is is to think of the Lord of the Rings, right? You and I are both Lord of yep. the Rings fans, and yep. and uh, I mean the the movie doesn't start with a shot of Frodo. No, no. It goes through and it does this quick, high level, super speed um, of walk what, through substantial history, right? And that's what we've just seen. Yep. Um, hitting all the patterns 
um, all of the um, categories that we're going to need moving forward in the story. And, and it's, it's fast. It's fast, 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 fast. And then you hit 12 and you hit the brakes. Yep. And here's this dude named Abram. Yep. yep. And that's, that's the start of our biblical story. Yeah, that's an excellent comparison. Yeah, so when you get to Abraham, you are essentially like you've gone from the grand mythos or almost mythological approach to the beginning of the creation history mm-hmm. down to okay, this is this is God's man and this is his plan. So now we're now we're getting to the point of what we want to start talking about. We couldn't start talking about it with all of the the back without all the background. But 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 here we are, and 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 it's it's important to not just relinquish or forget the ideas that have been planted because what what Abraham is here for, yeah, is um, is the start of a redemption mission by God, yeah, in that that is flowing out of the problems that we just saw in one through eleven, yeah, and especially in eleven, and I always I always like to highlight this. We we ended it with with um or or with ten, we ended in in uh with Babel with what going on with the nations? Yeah, they're being scattered. They're on the opposite side of what God wanted. They're being pushed out. You're you're seeing the nations that wanted to make their name great. Yep. Uh, as the enemies of God, <laughs> being being scattered across all over the place. We got this big problem, and then God turns around. In a chapter or two, and those nations that are opposed to God, He now puts together a mission to bless them. Yep. And if we think that loving our enemies was something that was invented in the New Testament, yeah, it's not. It's it's right here in yep. the heart of God. Yep. That's that's really good. That's really good. So, Gordon, you had made a statement to me before we started recording that. You had a couple of just big ideas you wanted to focus on today to kind of remind us of that. Yeah, and, and I'm not quite sure how how well we can cover them all. It's there is just kind of a whole lot going on here. You know, we're looking at chapters 15 through 18. We're kind of widen that out a little bit and, and and hit up what what God's talking to Abraham and doing with Abraham and maybe 12 and even a little bit of, of 22. Um, but as I've just been soaking in it and uh, and I don't want to. I don't want anybody to think that I'm soaking in this uh, alone. Uh, today's podcast is brought to you by Christopher J. H. Wright in the Mission of God, an excellent book, along with the Bible Bible Project as well. But there was a handful of questions that I just kind of wrote down that I think that that have risen to the top for me that hmm. that, that these chapters are are really dealing with. And and one is, what does it mean to be the people of God? Yeah. You know, um, I, I'd like to. I'd like to, hopefully we'll tackle that in our conversation. Um, what is it? What are the markings that define that? Yeah. You know, what marks that out? Um, that can be a, a tricky question. Um, yeah. And sometimes there's there's some some surprise as you look into that. Um, what is the relationship of faith to obedience? Yeah. And how does that relate to God's mission? I think that is probably one of the more vital questions that. I'd like us to build up to some kind of response to. Sounds good. Sounds good. Let's jump into it. And by the way, I love the fact that you brought in uh, The Mission of God uh, for multiple reasons. A, it's a great book. It's by Christopher J.H. Wright. Secondly, I read it in seminary, but I read it on Kindle. So I never really knew how big the book is. That is a big book. Um, So I I sort of feel proud of of myself right now because I read that book. All right, let's let's kind of get after it. So, um, Genesis fifteen, God essentially establishes a covenant that He really started with Abraham in Genesis twelve. Uh, in in some ways, people think Genesis twelve is a covenant, but it becomes ratified in chapter fifteen. Well, I would probably put it like this: um, we're introduced to it right off the bat in twelve. And uh, and I want to highlight something from twelve as before we move forward, but it, it develops, and it's gonna develop because you're gonna have these you're gonna have these moments of uh, theophany with God where he he he's 
he's coming and appearing and talking to Abraham, and they always seem to have to do with this covenant, this promise, his purpose, yep, um, God's mission, yep, um, and and it kind of adjusts and changes a little bit. And what's happening in between are just some actions, um, failures on Abraham's part, yep, um, his own growth, yep, is what we're going to see at play here, yep. Um, and uh, anyway, I, I think it really kind of goes back to what God's trying to do. And we can answer that question yeah. very easily yep. in chapter 12 uh, when, he's, when he's talking to Abraham and he says, go to your country, go, go from your country, and it, it, it's this classic section. And he starts to list out all the things that, that he's going to do in response to Abraham leaving that country. And he says, you know, I'll make you into a great nation. I will bless you. I'll make your name great. Uh, you shall be a blessing I will bless those who bless you, and then I will curse you, curse those that curse you. What's the seventh thing that he says he's going to do? Hmm. And in you, all the families of the earth will be blessed. Yeah, yeah. It is the linchpin. It is yep. the uh, it is the way to understand what God is doing yep. in the biblical story. Yep. Is he is on a mission yep. to bless the nations. And that's why 1 through 11 was so important for us to understand why. Yep. God needs to to bless the nations from His own character. That, that's good. That's that's really good. And so then you get to chapter fifteen, and 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 one of the things I, I like about what you're saying is God makes His promise in chapter twelve, uh, and then through these chapters, which we call the story of Abraham in the book of Genesis. Like you were saying, the the, the word kind of gets molded, fashioned, formed, developed, and matured as Abraham gets formed, fashioned, molded, and matured. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I think about in my own life, like God called me at 17. I did not know that that meant that one day I would be a Methodist pastor. I just knew that I, there was a call on my life, and uh, that's another story for another day, but from 17 to probably 31 was, you know, a 14-year journey of God molding and changing, and not changing, but but developing and maturing that word as as he molded and developed and matured me. Mm-hmm. So it, I say all that to say, if you're, if you're discipling somebody, pay attention to where they are in that journey. Pay attention to how God is, is doing that, because Abraham's story is our story. That's just kind of how God works, yeah. and so in, in fifteen we get we get Abraham's first like responses, his his first um, dialogue towards God. Yep. Um, I want to say, and I could be wrong here, but I want to say it's it's been twenty five years since the first one. I, I had it uh, no, laid out. No, no. So so he had Ishmael at eighty six. So this would have been eleven years, uh, tenish years in the journey. Let's just put it. Let's just put it this way: in between most of these, there's a lot of time going on. Yep. Yep. So, so Abraham's been promised something, and you know you got you got a good solid, at least a decade. Yep. Um, and now we're hearing from Abraham, and it's obvious that that there's some uh, there's some frustration. Yep. (laughs) You know, we talked about him wanting some certainty. Uh, you you can understand how how y- you can get a call, um, you can you can hear from God and just really excited and boom here's going to happen. Ten years later, you're like okay, yeah, what's going on here? Yeah, yeah. Um, so God shows up again and says, "Hey, don't fear, Abraham. I'm your shield. Your reward shall be great." And Abraham's like, uh, "Yeah, right. Um, <laughs> it's been it's been a while, God." Yeah, yeah. So, and and that brings us kind of into chapter sixteen where you've got the Hagar and Ishmael account. So uh, as Carolyn said, um, Sarah is is barren. And what's interesting is she now, you can hear some possible resentment in what she mm-hmm. says. The Lord has kept me from having children. Mm-hmm. It's not just I'm barren or I wish I could have had children at this point or I don't know why it hadn't worked out. It's She's there seems to be some blame here. Um, well, there's so much shame in this culture 
um, if you are barren. Oh, no doubt. You know, and, no and, doubt. And your your very purpose, and not saying this is the very purpose of um, of a woman, but in that time period, um, it was it was such a it was such a heightened expectation that you know that that was the burden that that she was carrying, and and you've got the um, you've got the recent chapter fifteen. Uh, conversation with uh, with Abraham and God, where where Abraham's like, "Hey, you hadn't done this, and I've got a I've got a servant in my house, and I guess he's going to be my heir." And God's like, "Nope, it's going to come from you." Yep, yep. But you know, I mean, and he responds to that, and it says that you know he, he believed it, and he credited to him as righteousness, right? And it's classic, classic verse. But what what do Abraham and Sarah do with that? They start schemings. Okay, well, it's going to come from you, Abraham. <laughs> Absolutely, but he didn't say it was going to come from Sarah. So, mm-hmm. so you know, they're wrestling with that. But again, instead of Abraham taking it back to God and saying, "Is you know, in a world where polygamy was probably not nearly as frowned upon, Lord, do I need to to take on a second wife?" But instead of having that conversation. Uh, he listens to Sarah, who says, "You know, take my take my slave Hagar." Which is which, which should which should hyperlink us back to the Garden of Eden. Yeah, listening to his, his, to Eve, and the whole the whole idea is uh, is uh, reoccurring here. Of are we going to wait on and listen to God, or are we going to seize it for ourselves? Yeah, yeah. No, that's good. That's good. And so um, Hagar becomes pregnant, and then it says that she despised her mistress. Um, And then Sarah goes to Abraham and says, you're responsible for the wrong uh, that I am suffering, Uh, which in some ways, again, back to the Garden of Eden, there's this sense of, and obviously this is the opposite, but... um, when God confronts Adam, the woman you put here, there's mm-hmm. this blaming and and not in uh, in Abraham, you know, does he deserve blame in this? Yeah, he should have had enough confidence to say, "No, honey, I, we need to pray about this mm-hmm. and seek God on this matter." I, um, but anyway, he he does a really dumb thing. Um, and then it says that Sarai mistreated Hagar. But then God notices that Hagar is in distress. Mm-hmm. He sees what she's been being put through, and he, uh, the, the angel of the Lord gives this prophecy, You are now pregnant, and you will give birth to a son. You shall name him Ishmael, for the Lord has heard your misery. Mm. Man, there's so much in that. Um, he will be a wild donkey of a man, and his hand will be against everyone, and everyone's hand will be against him, and he will live in hostility toward all his brothers. So, so many things I wonder about. Like, would did God, in some ways, flourish Ishmael because he was Abraham's son, surely that was part of it. But did he also flourish Ishmael as a sense of trying to bring some justice to this situation that Hagar is just put into an unwinnable situation? Yeah, um, I mean, I, we're definitely seeing the heart of God. Um, I mean, throughout throughout the text, I mean, Hagar means immigrant. Hmm. is what the name means. And throughout his law, you constantly hear him... Um, uh, giving voice to, you know, the widow and the uh, um, the orphan yeah. and the stranger. Yeah. So God hears, e- even though it's his his chosen one who has done this against her, he shows up. Yeah. And comforts. Yeah. Um. And, and and there's so much to be said about that about about the God that we're seeing and and you know one of the things that he he does and 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 this you know this probably strikes us. Is odd at first, but you know he sends her back. Yeah, and and I, I don't want anybody to to hear that and and start to think that okay, well God's okay with abuse and He's going to send somebody straight into it. Um, he 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 heard her, he comforted her. He he basically said, "Look, I've I've got you." Mm-hmm. Um, and in this in this day and age, she was probably headed towards death. I mean, yep. she, you needed a tribe to be around. Yeah, and this incident. Does not 
go undealt with in some way. Yeah. Um, God puts his mark on it. Yeah. Um, sometimes it's missed, but uh, um, it, is, it is not ignored. Yeah, uh, it's, it's interesting. Like you're saying, this is not an abusive situation that uh, the, the wife and the kid drive across state to some other town put up with some family members for a little while until she gets a job and gets on her feet and is able to rent an apartment. That That's not this. This is, I'm sending you out and good luck kind of thing. In, in, in a world that had, as far as I know, zero infrastructure for helping someone out in such a crisis. So, yeah, God is making the best out of a bad situation that he did not create, mm-hmm. that Abraham and Sarah created. And in a lot of ways, uh, Hagar is a victim to their bad decision-making. Now, it does say that, that Hagar despised Sarah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, don't, I don't fully know what that means, but it probably doesn't mean there was tons of respect and, and kindness there. Well, in, in just about every... A polygamy-like situation that you're going to see in Genesis, there's going to end up being jealousy yeah. and problems yeah. that arise. I think that's I think that's a purpose. There's purpose in that. Yeah, yeah. God is trying to show us even before we have commands that prohibit such stuff or such activity that this is a bad idea. Mm-hmm. This this is not a narrow road that leads to life. Um, so God shows up, uh, or and. Uh, or, or the angel shows up and speaks to her, and then she names the place Elroy. Says, "You are the God who has you are you are the God who sees me. I now know that I have been seen." Man, talk about an opposite of the fall. Mm-hmm. Adam and Eve sin. They're trying to hide from God. Hagar, who is this Egyptian? Who is a person who's kind of outside of the biblical? narrative in terms of who God's planning on using is not hiding from God. She's rejoicing over the fact that God sees her. And don't miss the irony that Abraham's people are about to become the slaves in Egypt. Yep, yep. (laughs) Whereas here you have the Egyptian slave, which is the one that's, you know, being oppressed by Abraham and Sarai. Yep, that's that's really good. Okay, that takes us to uh, chapter 17. Mm, a lot going on here. Oh, yes, yes. Um, so I tell you what, Gordon, why don't you just riff on 17 a little bit, and then I'll make some commentary as we go. All right, so in 17 is where we're introduced to uh, circumcision. And um, uh, let's see, God shows up like he usually does, um, announcing who he is, I am God Almighty. Um, but then there's this real quick call to ethics to Abraham. It's like, I wonder why we've got this right after this uh, Hagar incident, uh, literarily speaking anyway. Mm-hmm. Uh, Walk before me and be blameless. Um, I will make my covenant between me and you, and I will multiply you exceedingly. So Abraham falls on his face, and God's talking with him, saying, As for me, behold, my covenant is with you, and you will be the father of a multitude of nations, but no longer will your name be Abraham, but or no longer will be Abram. It'll be Abraham, and and he changes his name here, mm-hmm. uh, which is a reflection of the multitude of nations. I think Ham is the beginning of the word multitude or nations or something like that. It's there's some there's some some Hebrew logic there. Hmm. Um, I will make you exceedingly fruitful. I'll make your nations uh, come from you. Uh, things that he's actually he's he, he's he's promised um, Hagar that that her child's going to have as well, but there's mm-hmm. going to be a special covenant here. Um, so what I want to get to is when he starts talking about uh, circumcision. And let me find it real quick. Um, all right. God said further to Abraham, Now as for you, you shall keep my covenant, you and your descendants, after you throughout your generations. This is my covenant which you shall keep between me and you and your descendants after you. Every male among you shall be circumcised, and you will be circumcised in the flesh of your foreskin. And it shall be the sign of the covenant between me and you. And every male among you um, who is eight days old shall be circumcised throughout the generations. And, and pay attention to these. 
including the slave who was born in the house or who was bought with the money from any foreigner who is not of your descendants. Mm-hmm. Uh, a slave who is born in your house or who is bought with your money shall certainly be circumcised, so my covenant shall be in your flesh as an everlasting covenant. Um, and, and so he's putting forward this sign. And the first thing that I want to just kind of highlight is, I mean, what's the purpose in calling Abraham in the first place? We, we, we've mentioned this before, is to be a blessing to all the nations. But then as he's working with, with um, Abraham and with Israel, we're going to see throughout all these moments where the nations are actually invited into the covenant. Mm. Mm. Um, right here we have uh, not just a lineage requirement. Yeah, 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 I like this. But... But there's also anybody that's that's coming into the situation can be circumcised, yep, and 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 actually inside the covenant, yeah. And we'll we'll see this later on. Listen, defining the people of God, uh, it's this it's this tension between, you know, your 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 lineage and obedience. Yep. So what yeah. will happen in the story of Joshua, I think, stands out stands out the best later on. And I always use this as my, my go-to example. There's tons of them. But you have Joshua who's who's invading the promised land, and um, they're, uh, they're coming up on Jericho. And you have the whole story um, with the prostitute um, Rahab, mm-hmm. where Rahab, as a Gentile prostitute, uh, fears God in, their, in the face of them, and, and is obedient and helps Israel out um, and then is, is brought into the family of God. And then not much, not much later in the story, you have Achan who disobeyed God by maintaining loot that he wasn't supposed to. Yeah, and lying about it. And, and his family is utterly destroyed Yep, like the Canaanites are to be utterly destroyed. That's so good, So yeah. you have... You have a Gentile who obeys God and then is treated like an Israelite, and then you have an Israelite who disobeys God like a Canaanite and is treated like a Canaanite. That's so good. That's great. Um, so let's just let's ease up a little bit on what the, the definitions of the people of God are when it comes to lineage and understand that there's always going to be this desire for the nations. Yep. Which is the whole purpose behind this family is that. Yep. So there's there's going to be... There's going to be moments where you where you see that tension. Well, so um, you see it here. You see it in the Exodus when they're leaving, and uh, it says the mixed multitudes mm-hmm. go with them. Mm-hmm. Uh, it seems to indicate it's not just Israelites leaving as quote unquote the people of God. Uh, you see it in Ruth. Um, saying, you know, your people will be my people and your God will be my God. That's the point. Mm. God is interested in a people who are, uh, as as Paul says, I know no man according to the flesh. Mm. Uh, it's that covenant-keeping obedience and, and faith that calls us into being the people of God. And, of course, you know, we find that in its ultimate expression in the church. Right. And 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 this is this is vital, and and I, and I think we're just we're we're just tiptoeing around kind of what I really want to get to, but I'm, I'm gonna let that continue to play out. Um, but before we move on from 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 this moment, the circumcision moment, the other thing that I I wanted us to take a look at might be a little bit might be a little bit nerdy, but this is the second time that God chooses one among the many, hmm. makes a covenant with them. And establishes the sign of the covenant. Hmm. Where where was the last time he's done something like that? Where he's taken one out and yeah, it's Noah. And it's Noah. Um, there's so much happening here in this incident that is a reflection of the the entire Noah situation. This is a, a design pattern. It's like you know um, you have um, the incident of decreation. Well, mm-hmm. backing that up, you have what. The, the issue of what humans were doing to each other. Um, and as a response to that, you have a, a, a decreation or God removing his creative power um, 
to where the waters above kind of flood back in on each other, and and then he, but 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 he has enough mercy to pick one, mm-hmm. and when we're done with that, when when we're when we're through that judgment, he makes a covenant with them. Yep. And what we'll, what's the sign of that covenant? It's a rainbow. It's a rainbow. So when we look at a rainbow, and it, and it actually says, I think something like, you know, when the when the when the clouds cloud up the sky, you know, you'll see my rainbow, and uh, when they look at that rainbow, there's two things that are kind of going on. One, it's a reminder of the judgment. Mm-hmm. It's a reflection of the judgment of that particular story, um, as well as the promise of, of honestly, of, of new creation that God's going to continue, you know, moving forward with this project without without letting it destroy like that again. Um, so you have judgment and mercy all bound up into that sign. Yeah, and and. This section right here has all of those same elements where you've had an issue where humans are doing something to each other. Yep. All yep. right. Um, and God has stepped in and 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 what's he what's he ultimately going to do in response to what Abraham and Sarah have done to Hagar? Yeah. In in the sign of the covenant. Which is going to be circumcision. Mm-hmm. Um, there's going to be both mm-hmm. an element of judgment. Yeah. Because what is cut off? Yep. yep. The, the very part of the body that was just used to oppress somebody. Yep. Yep. But at the same time, in that sign, is that that same part holds the hope of the future and the seed. Yep. Um, of. Uh, of promise, yeah, yeah. So just like just like the uh, the rainbow is this covenant sign that you look at and you and you see God's judgment, but also His mercy. Uh, the sign of circumcision is that as well. It's it's a it's a result of these really bad decisions. Yep. And and God's like, yeah, that's we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna mark that. Yeah. And we're gonna we're gonna yeah. remember that, but yeah. at the same time. This is also the sign of of the promise that what I'm going to do to bless the nations is going to come from your seed, yeah, from no, this family seed. That's great. I I will say, kind of, um, in, in conjunction with that, it's it's always been powerful to me to think, okay, Genesis 16, uh, Abraham essentially attempts to try to force the promises of God to come to pass based on his own strength, based on his own planning, his own way of doing things. Genesis 17, we get circumcision as being the sign of the covenant. Um, in that world, if, if, if you were going to circumcise your men, you probably ought to stagger how you do that. Mm-hmm. Because... If you circumcise all your men on the same day, you've lost your military. Mm-hmm. And and un, and remember that just a few chapters before, Abraham is using the three hundred eighteen men in his household to go fight wars. So so like there was no military, there was no police, there was his men. And so essentially, what he's doing is in seventeen, he's God is having him declare not by my strength not by my planning. I'm not going to trust in me anymore. I'm going the, the sign of the covenant will be now to trust in God's strength, to trust in 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 God's planning, to 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 let prayer be the plan where I seek his face and I learn to 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 operate out of his strength rather than my flesh. Um and and you see that later played out in the narrative where there's a, a day where some foreigners all get circumcised, and then they have no way of defending themselves, and the sons of Israel uh, basically kill them. Um, it's one of the wildest stories. <laughs> oh, there's no doubt. There's no doubt. Um, all right, let's let's uh, get to 18. Let me get to 18. That's what I really want to get to. Um, Good. I think uh, I think a lot of this comes together in 18. In all honesty, it comes together later in, in 22 after the Binding of Isaac incident. Um, but we, we've, we've mentioned this, this um, developing promise, right? Mm-hmm. In 12, um, 15, we've got some pushback from Abraham. 
and uh, some some more solidified promise, um, and then the Hagar incident, um, and then in um, in the next chapter, seventeen circumcision is put into place. Uh, so in eighteen is the famous uh, passage with the three visitors. Yeah. Um, and the first thing I want to highlight is um, obviously we're, we're getting to the Sodom story, and everybody knows what's what's going to happen with Sodom, but. Just a quick highlight, um, kind of sidestep, just recognize the hospitality to which Abraham receives these three visitors yeah. versus the hospitality to which Sodom is going to receive these Ooh, three visitors. Ooh, that's, that's good. Those that's two good. things are, are, are held side by side and and is also going to speak to the uh, to the righteousness uh, question in the midst of this as well. Um, but as, as, as he's running around, and they're making food, and he, he's doing everything he can to be hospitable, uh, we reach a point where um, uh, God kind of has a little soliloquy. Now, obviously, I mean, you got another one of these situations. We didn't really talk about the angel of the Lord. There's probably not enough time to really get into that. Mm-hmm. But, you know, we understand that that uh, at least one of these visitors is, 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 is spoken to as Yahweh. Mm-hmm. Um, so we reach a point where he says, shall I conceal from Abraham what I'm about to do? For Abraham will surely be a great and mighty nation, and all the nations of the earth will be blessed through him. This just keeps coming back up. Yep. It? Um, for I have embraced him so that he will charge his sons and his household after him to keep the way of the Lord, to do righteousness and justice, that the Lord may bring upon Abraham all that he spoke concerning him. And I'm probably going to read read that again just a second as we just kind of really focus in on what's going on here Uh, because what's starting to be revealed is not only the why that Abraham has been chosen um, or elected Mm -hmm. I'm gonna go ahead and start using that like his election his his choosing Um, and we also we've also recognized uh, his election but his also the mission that God's yeah. on in choosing him and, and blessing the nations. But what we're starting to see now is the linchpin between those two things, mm-hmm. which is ethics. Yeah. It's it's uh it's it's biblical ethics. That's and, good. and and um, Christopher J. H. Wright has this very very famous line there is no biblical mission without biblical ethics. Now what are we talking about? Let's just let's just read that again. I'm gonna do it from another Translation, he says, For I have chosen him so that he may command his children and his household. So he's going to be a teacher. Yep. Abraham the teacher, which is kind of a, an early look at, at a Moses-like nature. Um, so that he may com- command his children and his household after him to do what? To keep the way of the Lord by doing righteousness and justice. Why? So that... The Lord may bring about, bring upon Abraham what He has spoken about him. That's so good. So, so there is there's election, mm-hmm. which for everybody out there who wants to wants to get in on the the debate about election, ground it in this, yeah. choosing for mission. Okay? Yeah. Um, but there's there's a, a a connection between election and mission, and that connection actually is. Obedience. It's absolutely it's ethics. It's it's becoming righteous yep. and doing justice, which you, you, you do both of those. So, just I just I want to say this because you you can't talk about election without me jumping in there a little bit. Bring it. But that's the point: is that God elects certain people mm-hmm. to carry forward His mission. Not out of some exclusivity of I'm going to save this person and everybody else is doomed. Mm-hmm. No, it's I'm going to use this person to open up the doors of salvation to all. In in the sense that God elects Noah, but God also gave Noah a hundred years to build this big box uh, as a as a big preaching device that hey judgment is coming in hopes that, that he was going to save more than just Noah and his family. Yeah. God is raising up the family of Abraham 
to bring us Jesus, uh, or really we should back up the tape and say he's raising up the family of Abraham to bring us Isaac and Jacob and their wives and their grandchildren and Noah, or excuse me, and Moses, and eventually Jesus. They are elected for the purpose of bringing salvation to all who will surrender to God's salvation plan. It's a biblical design pattern. That God and that God elects and chooses someone to carry out His purposes um, for the for the greater good for the, for for His purposes to to invade the rest of the world. And I'll say this: when you start reading Romans through that lens, Whoop. makes it so much more like, oh, this is what this is what you, Paul is after. You know, I was about to say, you know, you know why? Because Paul wrote it through that lens. That's right. That's right. I mean, don't read the New Testament without letting the Old Testament define your terms and your categories. No question. No but, question. So what we have here is, I think, in in, in eighteen, um, especially with nineteen, is uh, the introduction. If it, it may be elsewhere and it may be implied, but right here it's very explicit that I've chosen you. And this is this is what you're gonna do. This is what your purpose is. I mean, he just he just yep. mentioned it. Yeah. All the nations of the earth will be blessed. But but the way that's gonna happen, Abraham, is that you've got to teach your children and your household the way of the Lord. Yeah. By doing righteousness and justice. Now, the way of the Lord is going to be a very repeated term um, throughout the uh, Hebrew Bible. And it's this word picture. There's two ways to take it. The way of the Lord is the idea of seeing God and then following Him in the way that He's going. Mm-hmm. Um, but probably more accurate one is more like the idea of getting a sketch pad of which way to go, like mm. His commands. Mm. And by like following in that way, you're becoming more and more like Him. And then righteousness and justice, that's the uh, the words Sedekah and Mishpat, Mm-hmm. And they're very related. I know righteousness is more of a of a of a static term. Although you do righteousness, it's more of a of a of a of a status to um, I don't like the word achieve, but mm-hmm. um, a state of affairs. Yep. Uh, it's a relational term. Yeah, uh, there's a lot more ways to discuss it, but it's the idea of of, of doing right by somebody else or doing right by God. Yeah, um, it's very relational justice. Is the it comes with the idea of fairness in some way, but it, it would be fairness in, in in God's eyes. It it wouldn't be that everybody has the same or completely equal, but that everybody has enough. Yeah, that's you know? good. That's um, good. I, I, I'll for everybody here stop this podcast. Go find the uh, Bible Project video on justice. It's superb. Um, the visual the visuals there will really help you understand the biblical idea of justice. But but this is at the heart. Like what's going to bring about the blessing of the nations, and this is this is really where I want to get to because this is what's so exciting about these sections. As we're launching the biblical story, we're we're seeing we're seeing the themes of the people of God, um, and what their purpose is, and what God's intention for them are. Yeah. Um, and I'm just going to kind of break down break down what my my overall takeaway here is. Hmm. So God in choosing Abraham is seeing this problem, this, this Genesis 1 through 11 problem. He's like, I got to do something about this. And he's committed. Mm-hmm. He is committed to working through humans. Yeah. And the way he's going to do that is he's going to focus in on one group of people yep. that, that are going to have his undivided attention in a way that is going to um, shape them to be more like his character. Yep. And that's Israel, obviously. I mean, later yep. on in Isaiah, Israel is to be the light to the nations. Yep. This is this is Israel supposed to be his vehicle. Yep. For revealing himself. Yep. To the world, and the thing that activates that is going to be their holiness. Yep. Their obedience. Their obedience is going to lead to their holiness. Um, but as, as we see the story go on, we're going to see how they fail at this. Yeah. 
and they fail and they fail to the point where God's kind of got to in some way wipe them out. Not completely. There's always a remnant. Um, we call it exile. Exile. Uh, but during that period of time, you're going to have prophets pop up, which prophets were really just lawyers saying, hey, you're breaking this law. You need, yeah. you need to turn. Um, Jeremiah, very specifically, uh, this, this, whole, this whole idea of obedience pops up again. And in, in when Jeremiah is talking about the new covenant, and, and he's talking to a people that are down and out because of what God's done in, in, in exile, and, and he says to them, like, look, a time's coming when there's going to be a new covenant, and this thing you couldn't follow, this external uh, Torah, he's going to write that in your hearts. And yeah. the whole point of this new covenant, if you read that section, and this is missed way too often, the end game of the new covenant is an obedient people. Yep, yep. A, a people that actually reflect God's character into the world. Yep. That's his goal. Go back to Genesis 1, where we're made to be selims, images of mm-hmm. God, where mm-hmm. we reflect God into the world and rule in his way. Yeah. Did you say selim? Selim. T-S-E-L-E-M. It's um it's it, it's the ancient idols, it's the statues. Okay. That gotcha. um that a king would leave at a conquered at a conquered city so they would remember him. Or the statues that you would place in a temple um, that would be the reflection of the God that you're going there to worship. That is what we need to think of when we think of us being as images. And then more specifically, Israel is given the specific task within humanity of bearing God's name, of reflecting God in a way that's going to bring them back to fully being... They, they are the, All humanity is the image of God, but we just don't do it very well. Yeah. So something something I hear kind of if I were to sum up this whole conversation, I would say God is trying to form for himself a people who will reveal what he is actually like to the world. And he's doing it through covenant making. Mm. Um, something that I was thinking about with Genesis 15 and the the making of the covenant with Abraham where he takes the animals, he cuts them in half, forms a uh, an aisle, and then Abraham falls asleep, and then this fiery pot and whatever just kind of goes up and down the 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 aisle. In the ancient world, uh, covenants were made often between either kings of similar status or much more powerful king, kings and, and much less powerful kings. And in, in the, the second form, basically they would make a covenant treaty. The lesser king would call the greater king basically dad or father. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the more powerful king would call the lesser king son. And then the lesser king would walk up and down an aisle, uh, split with these animals cut in half that you know are forming this aisle like we're seeing in, in Genesis 15. And the lesser king would walk up and down the aisle reciting the terms of the covenant. What was he doing? He was essentially saying, uh, be unto me as it's been done to these animals if I don't live up to the covenant. Right. And so you would think in Genesis 15, Abraham's the lesser party uh, that he's the one that's going to go up and down the, the aisle reciting the terms of the covenant. But instead, God basically causes him to fall into a deep sleep, which is reminiscent of, of Adam in some ways. And God begins to walk up and down the covenant uh, aisle, and he's, he's, he's essentially saying to Abraham, if I don't come through for you, this is how you can know for certain if I don't come through for you, may it be to me as it is these animals. And then the, the amazing thing is, of course God keeps his covenant, or keeps his side of the covenant, but we can't keep our side of the covenant. And so what does God do? He does take on human flesh, and he lets his body get torn to pieces yep. to say, you know, you couldn't keep your covenant but I will step in and keep it for you and then pour out your holy pour out my holy spirit so that you can 
be a covenant keeping people. Yeah, and and that's that's pointing right to where we were getting in um what the new covenant is pointing to the the idea of like where's this obedient people and the failure of Israel when Jesus comes on the scene it's 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 Jesus taking up that mission of God. Yep. Of blessing the nations that Israel was, had failed to do. And 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 like like God going through the blood path. That's what yep. that, that's called is the yep. blood path and it's 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 him taking on the failures yep. of the future failures of his humans mm-hmm. on himself. Yep. That that line's coming right straight towards Jesus as well. And what Jesus is doing um, on the cross, and there's multiple ways to say this, but but in the context of what we're talking about, election and mission and the, the, the centerpiece being ethics, Jesus is taking care of that centerpiece. Absolutely. Jesus is the one that not only does those ethics right, is yeah. obedient to God, reflects God, is the image of God, um, he also takes on the failures yep. uh, of, of, of his followers, of his people, and then empowers them, yep. then empowers them towards that ethic that can lead towards mission. Yep. Now, now, right here, Chris, this, this is the context where, where your Wesleyanism needs to start the conversation, mm-hmm. not, not, in, not in the systematic arguments against sure. Calvinism. Sure, no, I agree. In the, in the meta-narrative of what God is, uh, is wanting to accomplish in His people. Completely um, agree. The, uh, the idea that, you know, uh, I mean, Jesus Himself says, what are you made for? You're made for good works. Yep. Why? Yep. Because we're fulfilling this Abrahamic covenant, uh, covenant that yep. has, has now in the story developed into the new covenant. Yep. Uh, but it's now, it's now doable. Yep. Yeah, we, we are now, again, restored to our places, being imagers of God who are reflecting His glory to the creation because of God doing that sanctifying work in us um, through the Spirit. I, I wanted to point out one—well, uh, before I get there, let me just ask you this. You're sitting down, you're having a cup of coffee with somebody, you are trying to help them learn to walk with God— You've just covered these three chapters, four chapters. What's what's the thing you want to try to offer somebody that's just trying to learn how to follow Jesus? Patience. Yeah. Um, I mean, we didn't we we briefly mentioned it, but I mean, there's there's years in this process for Abraham. <laughs> no doubt. Um, as as he's create, as he's making these decisions and creating these failures, and God stepping back in and kind of tweaking things a little bit, revealing a little bit more. Yeah. Um, eventually, after all of this that that we've read, and and this is in our section, but in twenty two is going to be his his ultimate test. Yeah. And is probably the the key moment in the in the story of, yep. of Abraham, where he he passes the test of faith. Um, he did all this scheming to get this try and get this kid that he finally does get through promise and then and then God wants to know who he he really worships. Yeah. Um and then after that it's such a strong response that God'll swear by himself. Yep. You know, moving forward. Yeah. Um it, it it's it's so hard to uh to be patient with your process. Yeah. Um and and even now, I mean even within the new covenant you know, we we have access. Uh, we have access to the Spirit. I don't want to leave that part of the whole thing out. You know, in the, in the New Covenant, the thing that empowers us to be obedient, uh, to be the people of God, is the presence of the Spirit, and 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 that's very reflective of of God writing the law in our hearts. Um, but we're 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 still in the need of discipleship, of growth, of patience, and of process. And, and and failures. Yep, we're in the need of failures. Um, I mean, in my life right now, I, I mean, I, I feel like I'm at the precipice of uh, of of seeing the Christian life, of, of seeing following Jesus in a way that I never have before, and it's because I've I've been through 
so much um, failure. I'm just going to use that word. Um, I've, I've failed myself. I've been through tests. Um, and at this point, I, I, I never imagined feeling this way about Jesus hmm. wow. that I do now. And, wow. and, and, I, and I use that sentimentally. Yeah. And I also use that in a, in a way that's like, man, I, I really, really want to see his presence in my life. Yeah. Um, and, and before, it, yeah, but it just, it took more. Yeah. It took more time. Yeah, that, that's, that's good. And, uh, you know, I, I think I would say a similar word to somebody. I think I would say um, deep optimism with patience because the the truth is you, you look at Abraham he is totally a mixed bag of some tremendous successes by faith uh, and some tremendous failures by fear and yet the and, and, and here's the thing what, what's interesting is the biblical narrative will let you know the price of Abraham's failures it will let you know he made some really bad decisions, and here was the really bad fruit that came out of that. Mm-hmm. It will let you know that. But once you get to the New Testament, and the writer of Hebrews is looking back on Abraham, nothing but positive. Mm-hmm. Um, the writer of Hebrews looking back at Moses, at David, nothing but positive. And it's like, wait a minute, like these guys made some great decisions, and they really screwed some stuff up. How much optimism can we have to go, okay, I'm going to walk with Jesus, and I'm really going to seek his face, I'm going to seek his will, and I'm going to get some stuff right, and I'm going to make some mistakes, not intentional rebellious mistakes, but I'm going to make some mistakes, uh, and God's going to redeem and even if I have made rebellious, I won't call those mistakes, but rebellious decisions, God's grace is actually greater and stronger than mm-hmm. my rebellion. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and, and, and I think one of the things that, that Abraham just calls us to think about is God is thinking generations, and we're thinking 10 minutes from now. Yeah. Um, and if we will submit ourselves to the process, submit ourselves to learning to walk with God, knowing we're not going to get it perfectly, uh, but we are going to get it through grace, by faith, or by grace, by faith, eh, yeah, <laughs> through grace, by faith, um, it's going to bear really good fruit. On the, on the other side of eternity, we will look back at our lives and go, wow, God, you were doing something through me that I just had no clue about. What is it Eugene Peterson says? A long obedience in the... Long s- obedience in the same, same direction. direction. That's it. Yeah, and, and I mean, just, I don't know how many times this has popped up recently in conversations, but, you know, I, I try to emphasize the folks. It's like, think about, think about the patterns. Yep. in your life, the current patterns in your life. Don't get so focused on the goals. Make the goals your current patterns of obedience. That's good. And let the goals fall in line. That's um, really good. Because you, you don't know which, what's, which way is going to twist or turn. Um, but just just rest in, in, in your faith yep. in, in the sense of, like, just trust that if you listen to God, and and you don't you you don't grab that fruit that he said, don't grab this. You listen to me. Yep. Um, it, it, it's gonna feel like a long time sometimes. It's it's gonna feel quiet and silent. Um, but just trust me, and in the long term, I promise. Yep. You're 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 gonna you're gonna see obedience in a way that you're going to be a blessing. Yep. And and I and I want to I want to. Take all of that and shift it not just from individually, but communally as well. Yep. As yep. far as a church goes, yep. um, Mosaic. Listen, yep. uh, we, we we need to be a community that is concerned about biblical ethics, um, like right now, like in the sense of let's let's start putting into place patterns in our communal life 
that we're not going to say, hey, we want, you know, 1,000 people by X, X year or um, this is what we want to look like way down the road. It's like, what does it look like to be the people of God? Just, just, just be it. Today, just just do it yeah. and let let that that uh, long obedience in the right direction work its way out. That'll be for God. That'll be for God to figure out. Yeah, that'll be for God to to bless and fulfill His promises. Well, and 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 that really kind of brings us to where I want to end today. At the very end of chapter eighteen, you know, God's in this debate with Abraham, or Abraham is kind of he is talking him down. Hey. If there are 50 righteous, won't you spare, you know, the city? You're certainly not going to kill the righteous with the wicked kind of thing. And then he works him all the way down to 10 people. Imagine that vision of being the church. We're, we're in an unrighteous world. But dead gummit, God be able, ought to be able to look down into the city of Evans and say, no, there, there, there's a remnant there that is contending for righteousness. There is a, a, a remnant there that is worshiping me and worshiping me alone. There, there, is, there is a remnant that I can still work with. And so I'm I, not only am I not wanting to bring judgment, I'm wanting to bring salvation through the remnant. I'm, I'm wanting my elect to, to do what the elect does, which is glorify me so that uh, it, what, what did Jesus say? Let them see your good deeds that they may glorify your Father in heaven. Um, let's be the church, folks. Thank you for joining us. Be blessed. We will see you next time.